right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Saturday Standouts. Um, we've been going through draft prospects and, uh, from position by position. We start off quarterbacks. Last week, we um, let me end with wide receivers. Um, now we're on to the offensive linemen, the big meat heads um, down there in the line that are in the trenches. And, you know, really excited to talk to these guys. Sam has a little bit more knowledge on them than I do. So um, don't, you know, bash me too hard, guys. Uh, I'm going to do my best that I can. Sam, Pays a little bit more attention to, you know, the ins and outs of what's going on on the football field. Um, I tend to watch the playmakers a lot more and my eyes just go to them because they're fun to watch. But um, before we go ahead and get started and, you know, get into our sponsors, um, I want to go ahead and ask you, Sam, how are you doing tonight? Doing well, doing well. Work today, hit the gym. Um, yeah, I'm doing well. How about yourself? Same old, same old school, gym, work. Um, yeah. Same things here, <laughs> same things here, except without the school, I'm working. Um Real big personal thing happened for me this week. I, I just bought a new car, so that's exciting. Um, got that about two days ago, so that's big personal nice. news for me. Um, but, you know, that's enough about us. We're just going to go ahead and jump in here into the meaty stuff. Um, if you guys don't already have some RX Hemp Cream, all natural pain relief cream, head over to rxhemp.com, guys. Um, use code USN, um, that US, RX Hemp, that's USN, excuse me. You'll get 10% off every single one of your purchases, guys. It's all natural CBD pain relief cream. I use it on my back a lot. I'm about to get a new tub. I say that every week, but I always forget. So I'm going to have to go on there and get some of my stuff. So RX Hemp, all natural CBD cream. Great stuff, guys. No THC in there, so you don't have to worry about that if you're, you know, kind of not okay with the THC part. CBD is all natural and it's not going to get you high or anything like that. So don't worry about that. Um, if you're a gambling man like myself, I've had a good week last week. I have a good week this week as well. Head over to mybookie.ag and use code USN100 for double your first deposit. Guys, I think the maximum deposit you can enter in that is 1000 and the minimum is 45 So you double that deposit. Say you put $100 in, you get $100 in free play. It's awesome stuff that we got going on with mybookie. And that code for mybookie.ag is um, USN100 for double your first deposit, guys. And then um, the two big ones, I guess, is, you know, the first off, um, our first big one here is going to be our Teespring shop. So if you head over to teespring.com backslash stores backslash unwrapped, that's where you're going to find the unwrapped shop, guys. You got all kinds of um, different signature styles here, um, whether that's the sitcom that we got going right here. You've got the King merch right here. You've got the unwrapped drip aisle. You've got the Hollywood style right here. And then you've got the uh, takeout style as well. You also, on top of all those other things, you've got your each individual show. So the hard count that was on last night, uh, Fights, who was just on before us, Gen Z, um, you can see them all here, guys. And then here are ours right here, Saturday Standouts. You're a fan of the show. Head over there, support us. You get a crew neck sweatshirt for $33.99, or you can go ahead and get a Saturday Standouts die cut sticker for just $8. Bucks. Um, it just supports us, supports the show, supports our network. It's awesome stuff like that. And then my show right after this called Keeping It Blunt is our merchandise down there as well. Um, and that's to be it for, excuse me, for our, our shop, um, which is awesome stuff that we have going on. And I want to you know, bring our attention to our Patreon as well. And I'm going to bring up those levels that you guys can, you know, sign up for and contribute and help our network as well through a, a different sort of way. Um, you guys can see right here, the different levels that are provided through our Patreon. Um, you can just be a fan for a dollar. Um, you don't really get much added onto that, but you know, you're still supporting the network, which we Really, really, really do appreciate. Um, then you move up to the Unwrapped Family. That's only $5 a month. That comes with 10% off the shop that I was just talking about. Access to the 24-7 Discord, as well as being entered into a giveaway for a $10 Amazon gift card. That's a each and every month, guys. So um, that dollar per month, that $5 per month, 
or the $10 per month, which is the unwrapped VIP. And what that includes is 20% off the Patreon, um, or excuse me, not the Patreon, 20% off um, the Teespring shop that, that I showed you guys right before this. Also, you get access to the 24-7 Discord where you get to chat and make connections with um, other fans as well as, you know, the contributors of Unwrapped, the directors of Unwrapped, the founders of Unwrapped. And you also not only get added to the giveaway for the $10 Amazon gift card, you are also added into a jersey, a signed jersey or signed memorabilia giveaway each and every month. And this month we have, excuse me, a signed Keenan Allen jersey. And it's in that blue, those powder blues that um, the Chargers rock. So it's really sweet. I got to get a picture up here for you guys. So in the future, I'll be able to show you guys that. So head over to patreon.com. You'll be able to find all these different levels. Support us when you can. We appreciate the, the littlest bit that you guys can, you know, be able to muster up. We really do appreciate it, even if it's a dollar. Um, with that being said, Sam, let's go ahead and jump into, you know, the beef of this show. And that's going to be us talking about our 2021 NFL draft offensive line prospects. Sure. And I mean, we, we can start with, you know, the one that's kind of a given as the best tackle in the draft. Um, because I feel like last year, I myself thought Andrew Thomas was not a reach and was the best prospect in the draft. But there were a lot of like three different, you had like three different names flying around. Worfs, Jedrick Wills, Andrew Thomas as being the top tackle in the draft. But, you know, this one, today's Sewell is pretty much a given. Like there's really nobody better than him. I think the, I think Rashawn Slater, which we can get to next, is the one that's the closest to him. Um, but, you know, Penesu, I think, has an extremely, extremely long career in the NFL. Um, I think he is going to be the franchise cornerstone of a lot of teams, whoever drafts him. Um, and, you know, the Bengals, a lot of people seem to think that is the match made in heaven. And, I mean, that there, there's quite a few players in the first round. I mean, we talked about J.C. Horn to the – Cardinals, which I think is a match made in heaven. We talked about Pat Sertain to the Cowboys. Um, I like Panay Sewell to Cincinnati a lot. I know a lot of other people do too. You need two tackles. You got Jonah Williams on one side, Panay Sewell on the other. Panay Sewell is extremely athletic. He's explosive. Um, I mean, that would give Joe Burrow so much protection because the Bengals' offensive line continues to struggle. Yeah, uh, it's pretty, you know – open and closed here when it comes to who the number one offensive tackle on the board here is going to be. And that's obviously Penesul. If I'm not mistaken, he did opt out of this past season um, from else not or whatever. But um, last year, the guy who was taken in the spot was Tristan Wirfs. And we saw how that turned out. One of the best pass blocking grades in the whole entire league. So this kind of gives you an idea of the type of guy you're going to be getting in, in Penesul out of Oregon guy, six, six, three twenty five monstrous um man so projected 40 time a five flat which is good for somebody that size um so i don't know if he's gonna go you know super high as, as we saw some others go but i mean top 10 uh, i'm mean, gonna right where the Bengals are sitting i'm not sure i don't have it in front of me right now but um yeah i think that's a great fit i mean if you are able to protect joe burrow we saw what happened with joe burrow this season having to run around mm -hmm. and then ended up getting injured because he was constantly having to run for his life and try and throw and get rid of the ball on pressure and you can't really adjust to the NFL game as much when you're having to do that and improvise instead of being able to sit back there in the pocket like he was used to when he was at LSU. Um, so that would be a great pick for them. And you were talking about how good and pass protection he is um, and everything like that. He's pretty dependable um, when it comes to edge protection, which is great and what you want out of an edge defender. What really you know struck me with you know um, Panay Sewell is that he is really good in space. So very good with his lateral movement quickness um athletic it's just you know it screams that 
he's just a solid guy. And, you know, he had, he's not necessarily the most, you know, perfected run blocker from that position, but he's manageable and he uses his grit and his attitude to kind of push the run forward and get those guys in space and create those holes. So um, obviously I, I like him being the, the first offensive lineman and overall number offensive tackle off the board as well. Yeah. I mean, this is also a guy, his draft stock's really not moving around at all. I mean, if you look at Jamar Chase, who also opted out, I've seen him fluctuating, you know, top 12, whereas I'd be a little bit, I'd be very surprised if Penesua fell past five. Um, I think if he does, I think you're going to see a team potentially trade up for him um, mm-hmm. in the first round. Um, and because I think, I mean, if, if he falls past five, whoever grabs him is going to be an absolute steal. But you know, the Bengals seem to be the match made in heaven. I think the New York Jets, I think he could go as early as two. Um, he definitely is probably. He definitely is a top five, top three, top three to top five prospect in this draft overall. Um, He definitely could go as early as two. And back in 2019, let's not forget, he did win the Outland Trophy and was the co-offensive player of the year in the Pac-12 when they did have full season. So um, you know what you're getting out of this guy. He's going to come and compete. He's going to immediately push for playing time once he does enter the NFL. Um, After him, though, who do you see as being that next offensive lineman or tackle that is going to be coming off the board? And where do you think he fits? Um, there's multiple fits. Um, the next one's Rashawn Slater. Um, I think Rashawn Slater's a top 10 prospect in this draft as well. Um, if I remember correctly, I think Daniel Jeremiah has Rashawn Slater as his OT one. Um, it might be him or some other guy, um, or someone else, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's a little bit bold, but like Rashawn Slater is definitely the closest one to, to Panay Sewell in terms of talent. Um, he screams versatility. He play. He can play anywhere on the offensive line. I think teams are going to fall in love with that. Um, I definitely can. I can see him going very early. Um, you know, a team like the Dallas Cowboys at ten. Um, I was kind of thinking to myself before we went live too, like eleven through twenty, and we kind of brought this up briefly. Eleven through twenty, I think, is where it gets really, really, inter- really interesting. Is because mm-hmm. there are so many teams that could take several, like so many different routes to this draft, like the Cardinals. They need cornerback help, but the corners are also pretty deep secondary class and very impressive one. So they decide to go edge rusher, um, a class that's, you know, not overly deep. Um, we definitely could see some edge rushers gone early. So the, is, is that going to be a team that decides to wait for, uh, for a corner? Um, you know, Dallas Cowboys, they need corner help. Could they shock? I mean, not really shocking, but could they go corner or offensive tackle help early and wait for a corner and go, go with a guy like Rashawn Slater? Um, I like the Niners. I like the Bears. Um, I like the Chargers a lot, and I like the Cowboys. Yeah, uh, Rashawn Slater, he's definitely up there in terms of who you're going to slot in there as the second overall tackle or second, you know, offensive lineman taken off the board here. Um, you can go, you can go wrong with a lot of, of of these other guys either. And I think, I mean, you had mentioned how like he's being looked at as this sort of type of player. He did go to Northwestern, so or North North yeah, Northwestern, yep. excuse me. Um and the only, you know, things that are kind of becoming a knock on him so far through his his draft process and, you know, all this combine stuff that he's having to do and everything is, you know, coming in and you know his body and he's a lot of people are saying he's too small to play that offensive tackle position and they're trying to see if they're going to move him into, you know, an interior guard spot or maybe even center. Um, so I guess that's kind of where teams are having to, you know, start questioning him. Where are we going to see 
him go and where are we going to see him play and fit into our offense? You know, that's the big question mark when I think it comes to him. But with that being said, he is extremely fast. He's super agile and he makes up for that lack of height and length, you know, with that quickness, with that athleticism, with that agility. And, you know, for a tackle, that's what you really want, even though you do usually want that, that arm length for them to be able to, you know, hold guys out for a, a you know, however far you need to, instead of having them closer to you, that's one of the things on the offensive line you want is to keep them as far away from you as possible. Cause then you, you just create so much space and operation room for you on the offensive line. So that might come to hurt him come draft time. But um, like you were saying, and like a lot of other draft experts are saying, he's they got great feet, great agility, um, great athleticism. Um, so that is going to, you know, bode well in his favor when it does t- come time for teams to be like, all right, we might not need him at the tackle, but him being able to use those tackle skills that he's been playing with at Northwestern for all these years and probably growing up is now going to just look even better at the guard position. So I don't see it being a problem with taking him as number two, number two at all, whether he's going to be in a guard position or a tackle position, depending on what team takes him. Yeah. I mean, and like, I think that's the beauty of it too, right? I mean, the, the height we kind of, we kind of just talked about is, you know, I feel like the average height, if I remember correctly, for at least the collegiate level, you know, is I want to say it's like six four to six six plus maybe. Um, mm-hmm. I might be wrong on that, but um, but I mean, I I do think that's definitely the beauty of it. I mean, you have a guy that can play all five side, all five uh, positions of the offensive line, and you get to figure out which works best for him. Um, and I think it's definitely going to depend on which team he ends up going to as well. Yeah, definitely. And then I'll, I'll throw in another guy here who throughout the season was moving up, you know, draft guys and mock drafts, just amazing came out of nowhere. It almost seems like, and that's, you know, Christian Darisol out of Virginia tech. Yeah. And I mean, I got this pro football focus out here. I mean, this is from December 8th, 2020, but it's still this season, but only power five offensive tackles with 85 plus run and pass blocking grades. Um, Christian Darisol is one of them and we'll get to the other guy and that's Samuel Cosme from Texas. But um, you know, Christian, like you said, I mean, Christian Darisaw, yes, Kadarius Tony was a draft riser. JC Horn was another one. Christian Darisaw was a, an extreme draft riser that I don't think anyone talks about enough. Um, and I, I don't have the stat up, but I want to say it was like a 90. It was in the 90s for his, you know, pass blocking grade. Um, and I think that's an area definitely where he excels. Um, and you know, we, we, we talked about Quincy Roche, kind of give him a lot of high praise um, during our ACC predictions. Um, and, you know, the matchup everyone was looking at was Christian Derrissaw versus Quincy Roche when Virginia Tech played Miami this season. Um, and Derrissaw held his home ground. I mean, Derrissaw definitely won that battle. I, I'm pretty sure that that was his highest graded game of the season, which was against yeah. Quincy Roche at Miami. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty you might sure. Be, you might be right on that too. Yeah. I mean, I think that's definitely the game where Quincy Roche kind of started to, you know, go up and down because a lot of, going into the season, some people might have seen Quincy Roche as this late first round talented guy. And now we might not see him taken in the first two rounds because of his up and down season. Um, but yeah, I mean, Christian Darisaw, very similar fits, but I like the Chicago Bears and the Chargers specifically the Chicago Bears a lot because they need help. Um, you got Charles Leno up after next season. Um, and I want to say he's in his, he's in his thirties and um, if they're smart, they bring in a guy, you know, that can potentially be a day one starter right away. 
And then he's your franchise cornerstone guy if you decide to let Charles Leno walk after next season. Um, I like Derisaw to the Bears a lot. Yeah, I mean, we keep hearing the same team names being brought up for, you know, who needs to start looking at these guys and being able to try and figure out how they're going to slot into their offensive lines and their plans to be able to use them in terms of, you know, scheme, what type of plays they like to run on the offensive side of the ball because some of these guys might be better at running, you know, schematic formations that deal with a lot of motions or deal with a lot of inside inside stuff or, or a lot of um, play action or things of that nature. So you really got to start paying attention to those things when you're an NFL scout. Um, for a football team and things of that nature. But going back to Christian Darisol, 6'5", 314, you know, your offensive tackle, that's what you want. That's what you look for. Got great length, um, got good athleticism as well. Um, you know, projected rounds one through two is what I'm seeing right now. And I think the real question mark that is surrounding him in terms of what teams are looking at here is that they don't really see a mean streak in him. You know, what type of mindset does he have when he plays he's just kind of one of those big offensive linemen that are you know goofy or you know big or whatever like that it can like he's not showing a mean streak on the football field he doesn't have that physicality that you really want from an offensive lineman that's going to be able to push and hold mean defensive linemen from getting to the quarterback he did show out this season. That's great for him. He started two years at Virginia Tech at the left, left tackle position. So you know he's very familiar with it, and you know you can slot him in immediately into the NFL to be able to do that. Now, is he going to be able to live up to what he was able to produce this last season? We'll see because the NFL is a whole different level when it comes to these things. Um, but like I said, great athlete, quickness. Um, he's got some agility and space as well, like we were talking about um, with Panay Sewell. Um, and he can be – I think he's being compared to kind of like a Russell Okun type. Yeah, and I like that you brought up the, you know, the fact that he's played tackle like both sides, um, because I want to say that was it was either Tristan Wirfs or Cedric Wills that had only played right tackle, only had experience on one side, um, and I mean I I want to say it might have been Tristan Wirfs if I'm not mistaken, um, he'd only had experience at Iowa playing one side of the ball um, or playing one side of the offensive line, um, but and he's. He played out of his mind his rookie season. And, you know, Jedrick Wills is another guy that looked like a very promising prospect. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if, if you if you have a guy, and this isn't Derisaw, because Derisaw has taken those, even from his freshman year, year one to year two, he, he took a massive leap. So this mm-hmm. is a guy that has, you know, screamed consistency throughout his career. Um, and can he be that guy that can, you know, not only be more explosive, find an area where he excels in because I feel like it's his run and pass blocking or, you know, both about the same, maybe pass blocking is a little bit, you know, more polished, but I definitely feel like he doesn't need like extreme polishing in either of those areas. Yeah, he does it. And, you know, having that extra year and that you, I mean, not having that extra year, but having that year where you absolutely blossom after, you know, spending time in, in the same position, the previous season and being able to have that off season to learn new things and, you know, transfer that and be able to improve in, you know, pretty much your money year for him is done in wonders. He's probably going to make millions just based off of this past season that he had. And that's good for him. Um, but we're going to keep things moving here and stay in our offensive tackle lane. And we're going to talk about um, Sam Casby, the offensive tackle out of Texas. Yeah, this is an interesting one. Um, I know, I know you like Cosme a lot too, and I was listening to a podcast. I was really, I was really high on him to start the season, but he didn't do anything overly productive 
this season, in my opinion. Did he do enough to keep him probably where he is right now? Absolutely. But I didn't see, you know, like a next leap or, you know, like right. we saw with Christian Dersall. Right. I mean, like he also was a guy that, you know, did opt out during the season. And, right. you know, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, he wasn't a guy that took that leap. He didn't really solidify himself. Could we see him in the first round? Yeah. Is he solidified in the first round? I really don't think so. I think Panay Sewell, Christian Derrissaw, um, and Rashawn Slater are about the only three guys that I can see solidified in the first round of, of the offensive tackles. The other guys could, you know, fluctuate. I've I've seen Sam Cosme fall to the second round. I've seen Jalen Mayfield, which we'll get to, um, you know, fall into the second round. But it's really all about there's multiple teams that need that cornerstone franchise offensive tackle, but it's all about who is going to view offensive tackle as their most glaring need. Um, and Sam Cosme, I want to I want to say it was Mel Kuyper that was saying it. He was a guy that he wished he would have been a guy that's you know stayed back another year. Um, because even this year, he had such limited tape of eliteness. Um, and that tweet I pulled up, though, I mean, the 80, the pattern, the, the run and pass blocking grade, it's another guy that does scream consistency. I've seen him a lot under the Jaguars. I think if he goes into the first round, it's going to be, um, you know, into the 20s, mid to late 20s. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that coming into this past season for him was, you know, a lot of scouts have been do mock drafts were saying that he's very raw very raw talent mm-hmm. um and you could just see you know the ceiling that this kid has and when you talk about ceiling you obviously the potential player has to be great or be better than he is right now in his current state and that was kind of the reason why i was falling in love with sam casby to start the season and when you and i were talking at first doing our mock drafts and things of that nature so i mean he does need to add weight he is kind of on the smaller side i don't know what his current weight is now maybe he's you know, beefed up a little bit, gotten stronger. That was kind of a knock on him. He was just under 300 pounds for a tackle. And you're trying to go to the NFL. You're going to need that extra mass on you to be able to block these strong guys coming off the edge, especially from a right tackle position. So I, I like him. It's, you know, I wish I was going to be able to see him more this past season. Unfortunately, we weren't able to do so because he did opt out midseason. But, you know, there's room for improvement. Maybe he's you know, pick this up. We're, we're coming up on pro days, so we're going to be able to see things of this nature, see if we're going to be proven wrong in our analysis on him or not. But um, I still think he's a raw prospect. I think he's got a, a super high ceiling that could be tapped into as long as you end up with a, a program that or, you know, an organization that's going to put you and, you know, push you to be the best that you could possibly be at the position. Um, do I think he's necessarily – a you know, everyday starter in the NFL as soon as he gets there? Probably not. He probably needs to be a little bit, you know, groomed per se along those lines. So you were talking about bears and things of that nature. So team like that, maybe, Um, but we'll see like who, who's going to really say that I need to get this offensive tackle now, because now we're getting into these offensive tackles and things right now that you could probably wait to get into like the second round or things of that nature. So I remember when we first did our mock drafts, we had, like four or five offensive tackles going into the, going in the first round, just because of we didn't really get to see this past season and, and what, you know, came out of it. So um, do you think teams are starting to kind of push these offensive tackles back a little bit from where we originally thought they were going to be? I mean, again, I mean, look at last year's class deep, but I think it's, it's very similar to this year's where we're going to see guys, we're going to see the, the talent of that offensive tackle class go away very quickly. 
Um, and the next guy we're going to talk about, I would almost argue putting him ahead of Sam Cosme, even though he is only 20 years old. Um, and I was just reading, you know, he was, he could be the youngest. I want to say he might even be the youngest guy drafted at 20 years old. Um, and that's Jalen Mayfield out of Michigan. Um, but I mean, before we go on to Jalen Mayfield, is there anything you wanted to add about Cosme? No, not at all. Just that I, I've was super high on him to start the year. I still am. Um, I just don't know where it fits you know, moving forward for him. But if somebody can tap into the potential of this kid and bring it out of him the way it should be in right aid, then that kid can be an offensive tackle for years. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Mayfield, too. One, he's only 20, and I think he's got a very high ceiling. And this is also another guy, you know, that opted out at Michigan and then came back. He was one of those, you know, multiple Power 5 players that ended up opting out before the season started. Mm -hmm. Or when there was, I think it was, yeah, yeah, before the season started and then opted back in. Dude has elite vision. Um, love his speed. You know, he's 6'3", 6'5", 319 pounds, just shy of 320. Um, mm -hmm. You don't see a ton of the bull rush. Um, I would like to see him go up, you know, against more, you know, elite pass block or elite edge rushers. Um, I think that's going to mm -hmm. be an area where he's going to need um, – a little bit more polishing on, but I think Jalen Mayfield is a bright future and Jalen Mayfield might be a guy, you know, that someone, you know, might like might even view very, very high and, you know, a team like a new, the New York jets put next to Makai Becton or even a guy like Jalen Mayfield. I can totally see you bring in Jalen Mayfield, even the Chicago bears, you have, Char you have Charles Leno up after next season, you bring Jalen Mayfield in and work him in as a rotational player until Charles Leno leaves. Um, and I've, I've, I've seen him go like early, like in the 11 to 20 range. Um, and I think this guy has a lot, a lot of potential. Excuse me. Um, first off, he's so young. He's very mm -hmm. impressionable, right? So a 20 year old, not even 21 years old, can't even drink yet. Um, very impressionable. Mine's still young. You can shape it can shape him however you want to once you get him in there to whatever organization drafts him. First off, that's got to excite you, excite you as a right. as an owner, as a GM, as a head coach all around because you're getting this young guy and he's already kind of he's kind of hidden to me. Like he's kind of like just as good as all these other guys but nobody talked about him, you know, or anything like that. And I mean, it, he's kind of shown his age already by signing with CAA, which obviously has some pretty bad ties to the that nature so you can see you know the amateurism not amateurism as you know my, some other people might take it but you know lack of being able to do your research and understanding of you know what is the right thing or the right person to go to or the right agency to sign with because that's obviously not the best choice but you know uh, moving forward hopefully a team can get him to understand these things and like I said that's part of him being young he has got great strength great athleticism quickness um perfect right tackle NFL like you said just uh, a pound of the 326.5, another prototypical guy that can probably go in rounds one through two. I think also um, had a little bit of injury issues, if I'm not mistaken, while he was at Michigan. Yeah, I think he did. Um, I mean, he was 20. Uh, but yeah, I think he did. I don't remember what it was, but I want to say he did early in his career. But yeah, then again, and, though, he, like, he is only 20, so teams might not view that you know, as concerning versus a guy that's, you know, a junior or even a senior staying in college for four years. Like you, you bring in Jalen Mayfield. I think Jalen Mayfield, you know, 
could be a day one starter, but I think he would benefit a lot, you know, sitting behind someone um, that is going into a contract season and then starting working his way into a, uh, into, um, into a franchise cornerstone. And I'm not saying like talent comparison wise, but you know, what, if you look at the Houston Texans a few years ago, Titus Howard, um, a guy that, you know, I think they definitely reached for, uh, but I mean, now he's a starter and I think a lot of people were very surprised that Titus Howard was a guy that that was reached for in the first round. I, to be honest, I didn't even expect him to go in the first round. I thought he was going to be an early to mid day two pick. Um, but, you know, he did have a good senior bowl. He did have a good, um, you know, combine that really wowed um, a lot of analysts and, you know, scouts and coaches. And, you know, that could be a guy like Jalen Mayfield where the team like the Jacksonville Jaguars or the New York Jets used with one of their multiple first round picks later in the, later in the first round. Um, and Jalen Mayfield would be really, really nice for um, Jaguars, especially with a team that's trying to go younger. Um, and you, you know, you bring in Urban Meyer, uh, you bring in Trevor Lawrence. Hopefully, I mean, I would assume it's going to be a given at this point. But um, you know, the Jags have the Jags have two first round picks, and they have the first pick of the second round, which was from the the Yannick trade from the Vikings. So the Jags have oh, okay. so much draft capital. Um, and they have an insane amount of cap space. So if they play their cards right, they could be a playoff team in as close to two years. If they play their cards right, have a smart offseason. I said Zach Ertz, trade, but they'd have to trade him. But I think they should go out and sign Hunter Henry. I like Kyle Pitts, but I don't think I don't think the Jags should be going after, you know, even potentially risking draft capital to trade up for Kyle Pitts because I think there's a strong chance he's not even there by their second um, by their second first round pick. So you have a guy yeah, like, go ahead. I was going to say you have, so, I mean, Robert Tanyan is a free agent, but he's restricted. Um, and they came out a few hours ago today. The Packers are not expected to bring back Corey Lindsley. So will they put their money, a lot of their money towards Robert Tanyan? Are they going to let Robert Tanyan walk? If Robert Tanyan walks, you have Robert Tanyan, Evan Ingram and Hunter Henry of those three guys. I would absolutely go after Hunter Henry, but um, if the Jags are looking to spend a lot of their money, you know, on certain other positions, you could go after a guy like Robert Tanyan. Yeah, I, I don't see them needing a necessarily big weapon like Kyle Pitts because they've got guys on the outside that can produce. You just got to have the guy to be able to get the ball to him. So, I mean, you don't need a Kyle Pitts, but I doubt he's going to even be there, like you were saying, in the second pick. But, um, yeah, that would be good for them. Um, but I potentially think Jalen uh, Mayfield has the potential to be kind of the steal of this draft just based on you know what we had said previously so young um another high ceiling guy who has the potential to be a cornerstone like you're talking about on an offensive line later down the road so i I really like him um continuing on here we have our next offensive tackle here in liam etchenberg is that i say that right eichenberg yeah eichenberg out of uh notre dame 66 305 so pretty pretty big guy he's got good length it seems like yeah, and I think other guys are – I mean, Liam Meikenberg, he excels in pass blocking. If you look, go and look at Tommy Kramer, um, Tommy Kramer was injured. I did a mock draft for the Cardinals, had them picking Tommy Kramer in the fifth round. He's a guard out of Notre Dame. Um, both those guys excel in pass blocking. But Liam Meikenberg, to me, he posted a 90.1 um, pro football-focused pass blocking grade. He's not the quickest, and I think he might have some problems going up 
against those elite guys, especially in the run game. A, a pass blocking is an area where he absolutely excels. Um, he does play a bit high. Um, you'll see he definitely if you you'll see him play high. If you see him stand up, he'll get pushed around. And I think a run mm -hmm. blocking is an area where he definitely does need some polishing. I've seen him in the first round. I don't think he's first round talent. Um, I think he he definitely is a second round worthy pick. Um, if he ends up falling into the third, which I'd be a little bit surprised, I think he could end up being a steal. But I think he should go to a team, um, you know, like the Chicago Bears potentially in the second round. That if they decide to wait, go after a guy like a, a Rashad Bateman or Jalen Waddle because they're probably going to lose Allen Robinson. Um, he could go to a lot of teams, you know, especially. It, it, I think it's a lot of it's going to depend on how many offensive tackles are we going to see. Let's say we have Rashawn Slater, Derisaw, and Panay Sewell pretty much seem to be locks at this point. Everyone mm -hmm. else is kind of fluctuating. Jalen Mayfield's getting a lot of attention, a lot more attention in the first round. But let's you look at a team like the Chicago Bears or even the Dallas Cowboys. Did they decide to go you know other positions elsewhere? I like the Bears a lot better because you know their run game is not great. Um, but you know, Trubisky got sacked a ton or if Panay Sewell's there, not there, there at five or even taken before five. And since he goes another option, Liam Eikenberg to the Bengals in the second round, wouldn't be a bad option unless they go offensive tackles the first two rounds of the draft. But, um, I like Liam Eikenberg. I don't love him. I like him a lot as a pass blocker, definitely an elite pass blocker. He is not the quickest as a run blocker, so that's definitely an area where he's going to need a little bit more polishing. Yeah, I completely agree. I think he's sitting somewhere in between, you know, mid-second round to maybe even early third round. I feel like that's where a lot of people have him right now. Um, one of the big things that I noticed with him is that he's had trouble with, you know, the speed rushers off the edge. So the guys that are really quick who like to bend to get down low to the ground, that's where he has trouble. And that's mm -hmm. not what you really want to have in the NFL because all these guys coming off the edge are quick as hell. You know, these guys are built to be able to do this and that's their job. Now, does every defense employ one of those guys that is quick like that off the edge that likes to bend and get down and, you know, make an offensive tackle not only work, but work even more having to use the space, having to be able to catch up with speed one way and change direction. Eichenberg hasn't been able to show that. Um, it was something that was pointed out to him in his junior year, his sophomore year, even, and he hasn't been able to kind of put it together. Um, just looks slow, you know, not one of the guys who I mean, you said slow, um, but I know other people have as well. <coughs> Excuse me, um, swallowed the wrong way, but he could be a solid, you know, tackle tackle in the NFL, but is he going to be one of these, you know, we saw five offensive tackles go in the first round last year. I don't expect that to be the case this year. Uh, just because there's not it's not as deep or as solid players in in that group that you could say, um, but he could be a serviceable guy. You could slot in there when needed to be. If there's an injury, um, you could probably fill him in at guard because he's not having to move as much and take down the guys who are you know the quick edge rushers per se. But um, yeah, I, I see him sitting there probably somewhere mid second round, maybe early third. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say you know. Definitely mid-second, uh, mid to late second. If he falls to the third, I wouldn't be overly shocked. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm very indifferent on Liam Eikenberg. I like him a lot. And like like you said, I think you you know nailed it right there. I think he's going to be a very serviceable player. Um, he potentially could be a guy, to, depending on where he goes, work his way and compete for a starting job right off the bat. 
I don't think that should be the case. I think he will. He should be a rotational guy at least for the first year. But mm. then again, he is a senior. I mean, he's coming in. He's coming in with three, four years of experience, especially a senior. You're, you have to expect this guy, you know, is going to be ready to come in and compete, especially if he's going, especially if a team picks him in the first round or as early as the first two rounds of the draft. Um, I like him. I don't love him. Don't like his speed. He's not very quick, but um, but his pass blocking is definitely elite, and I think that's what's going to raise his draft stock. Yeah, and we'll just touch on one more offensive tackle because I want to touch on some of these other interior offensive linemen before you know we run out of time. But um, we'll, let's touch on Tevin Jenkins real quick, uh, senior, I believe, out of Oklahoma State. Uh, projected rounds one through three, sitting right at three twenty six six, so good size like all these other guys. Um, you touch on him real quick, and I'll let you you know take it from there. And then we'll get yeah, I mean, so, so there's. I like watching offensive linemen. This isn't necessarily a knock, but I like watching offensive linemen that, you know, play to the whistle. If the ball's out of play, like on the opposite side or right across from them, they are still running down the field. And that's what Tevin Jenkins does. I love his ability to peel off his blocks. Could he be in the first round? I think it's a possibility. I think, he, I mean, he's like Tevin Jenkins, Jalen Mayfield. Those are guys that could, you know, very well be taken in the first round. Because how mm-hmm. many – we saw what? Last year was Andrew Thomas, um, Tristan Wirfs, Jedrick Wills, we, Isaiah Wilson. Um, Austin like Jackson, Austin Jackson. That's six. So, I mean, we very well could see the four to six range of offensive tackles again. I mean, the first three, Derisaw, Sewell, Slater, are to me are definitely locks at this point. Um, we'll get to Vera Tucker because I definitely think he's first-round talent. He should be taken in the first round. Um, but – you know, Tevin Jenkins very well could be in the first round. Um, and I think he's definitely displayed a lot of maturity, you know, coming in as a senior out of Oklahoma State, screams consistency. And I love I love his speed. I love his speed a lot. Yeah, he was kind of contributed to, you know, the success that Chuba Hubbard had um, in that one big season mm-hmm. just because of him being able to pull, him being able to move the way he does in space. And he's been kind of you know, rising up a lot of draft boards because of the media and what they're being able to place on him um, as an early round pick. So um, that's good for him. Um, But without further ado, man, let's go ahead and jump into our interior offensive lineman. And obviously, you know, probably one of the offensive linemen overall that might be able to, you know, compete with um, a Panay Sewell as, you know, the top offensive lineman, even though Panay Sewell is in in a class of his own, obviously, because that tackle position means a lot more. Um, but that's going to be Elijah Vera Tucker. Yeah. So, I mean, we I told, I should have remembered Austin Jackson last year. I thought he was a little bit more of a project. I was a project project offensive tackle. I was kind of surprised to see him go in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, we saw Robert Hunt. So they, they took linemen in the first three rounds of the draft, the Miami Dolphins. But um, I love Vera Tucker. He 88.6 pass blocking grade um, in 2019. Um, I, I think I want to say this is the guy that isn't you don't see a ton from the bull rush, and when you do, he doesn't he does tend to create holding penalties. Uh, but this is a guy that displays an ample amount of speed. Um, and I've seen there was a mock draft, um, I don't remember if it was Luke Easterling from the draft wire, might have been him. Um, had the Cardinals taken him at 16, I think he could go as early as 15, um, even 12. I mean, 11 through 20 range, I definitely think he's that's where he fits perfectly. 
Um, I'd be surprised in the top 10. I haven't seen a mock like that lately, but um, I mean, run blocker, nice burst of speed. I think pass blocking is definitely an area where he excels, but um, you don't see a ton from the bull rush. And like I said, when you do, his technique does get in the way with from him, but I think this dude has so much potential. Yeah, and especially yeah. Chicago. I'm sorry, Chicago Bears. No, good. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> like that is one of the other match mates in heaven too. Because if you look at the Chicago Bears run game, one, I really don't think David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen are that bad of running backs as people are putting them out to be. But two, their mm-hmm. their run off their run game was not good at all this year. Um, so I mean, even the Cardinals too. Um, so I mean, 11 through 20 range. I could definitely see, but I'm sorry for interrupting. Go ahead. Oh, no, I, I 100% agree with you there. Um, Vera Tucker, he's a different animal, man. You, you're talking about Austin Jackson leaving and Vera Tucker having to fill in that slot there at the left offensive tackle, moving over from guard where he originally was at to the offensive tackle position. Guy knows what he's supposed to do at both positions. That's a plus. Um, he's got great size. He's got great athleticism. knows how to put his knee. He knows how to shadow edge rush defenders, which is amazing. Uses his feet like uh, like he's playing the piano. Just very choppy, very good. He's just very good overall all around. Um, great feet, amazing zone schemes as well. Um, just able to be able to recognize what the defense is trying to do is great. If he needs to get off a block, move to a different defender as well. He's just overall got it, and that's why we're seeing him here in that mid-first round level. Um, he's got the ability to compete for a starting job either at the tackle position or the guard position when it comes to the NFL in his next step. Right, and versatility. Yeah, and I think this is – yeah, he screams versatility, um, but I also right. think he screams playing offensive guard. He's an interior offensive line. You see a little bit of him in the tackle range, but I think I think playing on the interior guard is where he's going to excel. Yeah, uh, most likely. Uh, I mean, but it, I'm sure he, like if there's an injury on that offensive line and you need somebody to slot over, who's your first pick? It's going to be the guy who's played that position before and has the experience and knows how to move with the ball with his athleticism and knows how to read defenses the way that he does. So um, very, very smart kid, um, understands a whole lot, very good in his technique, bends knees, like I was saying before, quick hands, being able to shove off. So, I mean, somebody to look out for who could be another, you know, sneaky draft pick in that in that draft right there in the first round. I mean, look at Elton Jenkins, too. Elton Jenkins played center at Mississippi State. Packers brought him in. Um, you know, Lane, he was beat out by Lane Taylor, but then Lane Taylor got hurt towards ACL, and Elton Jenkins came in. Um, I think it was two years ago, but still, Lane Taylor was hurt at the time. Um, got hurt. Elton Jenkins came in, played out of his mind, um, and now he's playing tackle. He was, he was playing tackle this season. So, I mean, He's played all five side, all five areas of the offensive line in the span of what two to three years. One of them being at Mississippi State because he plays. He the center was his primary position at Mississippi State. So I think if you bring in a guy like Vera Tucker, um, like the Bears who do have aging linemen on certain at certain positions, um, Vera Tucker could be a guy where, like you just said, injuries come, injuries come and play. Um, Vera Tucker could be a guy that, you know, can, you know, polish up his, you know, offensive tackle um, a lot more for teams to feel confident in putting him at an offensive tackle, but definitely. Yeah, moving on, um, we'll go into a lot of people's become, became kind of one of their favorite players towards the end of the season. That's Landon Dickerson. I think he was playing center um, at Alabama, either that or right guard. Um, but for Landon Dickerson, you know, immediately right off the bat, the one thing that, you know, kind of screams and, you know, yells at you when you look at Landon Dickerson is his injury history. 
Yeah. He went because he was at Florida State originally. Mm-hmm. Um, tore his tore his ACL when he was a freshman. Um, didn't really look good. Had an ankle injury that took him out for nine games at Florida State his sophomore year, and then most recently tore his ACL again um, in the SEC championship game at Alabama. So like that's huge red flags in my opinion. Although you look at Landon Dickerson, he's a, he's a monster of a man. Um, does his job extremely well loves to destroy people he just absolutely loves to just beat up on on defenders and everything like that um pancakes all over the place he's a tone setter on the offensive side of the ball and his teammates love him a great leader guy in the locker room so um those are the things you know when it comes to Landon Dickerson that I see yeah and I think Landon Dickerson like you kind of alluded to he's kind he's kind of an easy player to like um, but I mean, his injury history, definitely. I mean, he tore his ACL over at Florida state. Um, he, I don't even think he played in the national championship game. He went out to kneel the ball. Um, mm-hmm. so, I mean, if you have major injury histories like that, that is absolutely a red flag. Um, and I've seen him in the first round. Um, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I know I was talking to my friend yesterday. Now Corey Lindsley's gone, but you bring in a guy like Landon Dickerson, it wouldn't be bad. I, th- I can see Landon Dickerson going a little bit earlier than a lot of people ex- expect, but I think the injury history is definitely going to come into play. I mean, he, he's 6'6", 329, though, uh, or 326. Dude is a mountain of a man, and like you just said, I mean, he moves extremely well for his size. Um, but I think I think teams are going to fall in love with his character and his maturity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the big thing when it comes to him is that just the way his teammates responded when he did get injured. I, like, if you're an NFL scout or a coach or whatever, you see that, like, obviously that's got to mean so much to have a guy like that in your locker room who has great character, has great leadership abilities. All of his teammates loved him and came out and supported him. They wanted him to take a snap in the national championship game. And it just shows you a lot about the type of person he is, which could go a lot further for a team than per se, you know, absolute perfect play. But um, you know, watch out for Landon Dickerson because he can probably be in a wealth of different areas when it comes or different, you know, draft areas when it comes to the draft day. Um, and moving on from him, let's go to Wyatt Davis, um, Ohio State. Yeah, Wyatt Davis, I definitely feel like hurt his draft stock, like just this, like a tad, you know, going into the college football playoff. Because um, mm-hmm. I want to say it was the national championship, a national championship game. He did not look that good at all because he had a strong season. He has a lot of upper body strength, and mm-hmm. yeah, he is versatile. Obviously, guard is where he's going to excel uh, with an interior all line class that's not that deep. Um, but Wyatt Davis very well could go in the first round. I mean, going into this season, throughout the season, he was definitely playing like a first round talented guy. Um, but then you see him in the big games against Alabama in the national title game. Um, he didn't look that great. I mean, he got absolutely worked. He got absolutely worked in that game. Right. I mean, he got beat. And um, I mean, even the there, there were certain areas of that Ohio State team that got exposed. You saw the secondary get exposed like two or three times throughout the season. Even the offensive line, Thayer Munford's going. He's going back to OSU. Um, that's a guy that did not look that good at all. Um, but I mean, his ability to. You know, move guys around with his speed and upper body strength. I think teams are gonna like. I think teams are gonna like that a lot. I think we could see him. You know, go to a team like the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, even the Kansas City Chiefs. I feel like I've definitely seen the Cardinals. But um, you know, if the Chiefs decide to go that route early in the first round, because offensive line is certainly an area um, that they could use a little bit more help on, especially in the interior. But 
Um, I think Wyatt Davis would be a good fit at 32, or excuse me, 31 for the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, prior to this past season, he was entering the season as probably the best pass protecting guard in, in mm -hmm. the nation, and he had a amazing grade last year at 82.6, and then it dropped all the way down to 66.3 this year. He dealt with injuries that kind of knocked him out like here and there in games throughout the season. We never really figured out what was going on with it. Um, there was not a lot said or disclosed to anybody. Um, he is an all-body type guy, 6'4", 315, another big guy, Phillips Holes. Um, the one thing he did struggle with is when it came to, you know, stunts. Um, but when he's got one-on-one -on -one and, you know, three technique, uh, he's one of the best. So, I mean, you could see him sitting there anywhere from, I think, one to three. Yeah, I fully agree. Definitely, if not first, definitely early in the early in the second round. Mm -hmm. And then I think next on our list, uh, we had Creed Humphrey, right, out of Oklahoma? Yeah, Creed Humphrey. Um, another interior guy, definitely going to be centers as primary. Creed Humphrey's a guy I wouldn't mind in Green Bay, especially, you know, in the second and third round. I can see him dropping to the third round. I mean, Creed Humphrey, that's another guy. I mean, kind of had an up-and-down season. We didn't see that giant leap from him, you know, to solidify himself into the first round. Because going into this season, he had he had elite tape to show where he was first-round talent. Doesn't have an elite body frame. Um, he's not super athletic, but he definitely does move well for his size. He's about 6'4", 6'5", 320, 6'4". 6'4", 315. Um, and I definitely think he's going to be – he could turn into a steal of an interior guy, um, and I would not mind him on the Packers. But there's multiple guys that could use help on their interior. And I think yeah. could play guard, but I think centers, centers is going to be his, his primary. Well, see, I was going to say maybe in the NFL he should maybe move over to a guard position because there were occasions where he did get walked back into the pocket, which is not going to work well when it comes to – you know, more stocky, body deeds of no tackles in the NFL. They're going to try and leverage and just force you backwards. So um, I could see him move over to a guard spot for that fact. Um, but he was one of the most consistent centers, you know, at Oklahoma and mm -hmm. in the country um, in, in his three seasons there. Only allowed 28 pressures on nearly 1,300 pass blocking snaps, which is incredible um, numbers right there. Versatility, six foot five, 320. Um, so, I mean, you could, I could see him being a center in the NFL too. I'm not saying he can't, but he's got to be able to figure out how to, you know, leverage those, those squatty, those smaller, uh, defensive linemen's nose tackles that like to just push centers back into the pocket. He's going to have to learn how to get himself down lower, how to use his leverage against them. So that doesn't happen because once that position's pushed back into the pocket, everything just kind of opens up and explodes. You can't step up. You can't, you have to go outside. And then that creates all kinds of different other problems on the offensive side of the ball. But I like Creed Humphrey overall. I think he's a very consistent guy. Um, like we said, there's going to be a lot of offensive linemen we're seeing going in these early rounds. And then who's our last one we got here? Um, that was Trey Smith, but it was Alex Leatherwood. Alex Leatherwood, there we go. Um, and he's kind of a hybrid guy, too, I would say, kind of an offensive tackle slash guard. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, he played guard, um, but Alex Leatherwood definitely has the size where teams might view him and move him over to the offensive tackle spot. Um, and, you know, going into the season, another guy, I mean, he didn't have a great season, but it was still mm -hmm. a very productive season. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't this huge leap by any means. Um there's a guy on Twitter I was reading. He's, I don't remember his name, but 
the guy that was very indifferent on him because there's some games that he was saying seeing that you know he was very very productive very elite and then there's other games where he just doesn't have the high motor so i think the big thing for him is his consistency and he definitely has the size where teams could move him over um you know to that offensive tackle range but he he has versatility potential versatility and he's got experience at guard um and he could be a guy that you know if he moves the tackle still has that reliability to play to play in the interior guard position but um that's another guy as well that you know was very surprising to see come back because I think if he would have, I think if he would have, if he would have entered last year, he would have been a first round pick. And now I don't think he's going to be a first round pick. Yeah, I mean, we started the season talking about him as being one of the top guys to go in the first round, along with uh, Panay Sewell. So he's obviously slipped off the season. Um, didn't really produce at the level that he wanted to. Still a pretty solid guy that you can play at either one of those positions, guard or or tackle. But you know, he slid a lot, in my opinion. I don't know why. I mean, he was pretty consistent, but he didn't do anything. Like he didn't do anything to show NFL right. scouts that, Hey, there's going to be a ceiling for me. Instead. It was just kind of like, we're sitting here on this path and nothing's going to change. And it's just going to be what you get or not. So, I mean, he could be serviceable. He's another one of those guys that I see, you know, being able to fill in when need be, or, you know, be able to rotate along that offensive line. There's another guy, you know, same team, other side of the ball that didn't do a ton. I think he hurt his draft stock. Um, and that's Dylan Moses. Well, we don't, we're not going to get to linebackers today, but when we get to linebackers, I think Dylan Moses is going to turn into a steal. Yeah, man, there's, we got a lot to talk about. Um, but yeah, guys, that was our offensive line prospects for the 2021 mm -hmm. NFL draft. It was real fun. I actually had more fun with it than I had originally thought I would. I knew more than I originally thought I would. So that was that was nice. I'm not the only, I wasn't coming in here completely blindsided and letting Sam carry everything. But um, you know, as you guys saw down there on the bottom ticker, those are all our sponsors. Head over to mybookie.ag. Use code USN100 for double your first deposit with a minimum of $45 and a maximum of 1000 Head over to rxhemp.com. Use code rxhemp-usn for 10% off every single purchase, guys. 10% off every single purchase. All natural CBD pain relief cream over there at rxhemp.com. Also, head over to our USN shop, our unwrapped shop, teespring.com backslash stores backslash unwrapped, guys. Get all of your favorite shows merchandise. Get your um, exclusive different types of um, you know styles of unwrapped clothing as well. So drip design, Hollywood design. King design, takeout design, all the good stuff over there. And then, of course, our new Patreon. Head over to patreon.com. Look up Unwrapped Sports. You'll find us there. We've got three different levels, a $1, a $5, and a $10 level. There's got an explanation of what comes with each of those levels. So if you're interested in being able to support our network and our shows and everything of that nature, be able to get a closer glimpse into the life of what goes through, you know, our heads as being, you know, sports um, people, you know, sports nerds, whatever you want to call us. Um Go ahead, jump in there into the Patreon, pay that $5, that $10, get into that 24-7 Discord where we're all chatting it up. Um, it's really fun stuff. After this, I got a show with my boy Perry at 10 o'clock. We delayed it an hour tonight because we got a meeting that we have to attend. Um, but you guys head over there while I do Keeping It Blunt. Um, Sam, I'm going to throw it over to you before we go ahead and log off, buddy. Yeah, I mean, I like offensive line. I can understand where some people, you know, is a little bit harder to analyze for some people. Um, but which I can understand. I mean, I've run through, I've gone through I, offensive linemen. I wouldn't say it's a little bit easier, but I, the playmakers like the quarterbacks and running backs and receivers are definitely more fun to look over. But 
Uh, right. But I mean, hey, I mean, if you don't have offensive line, you don't have good offensive line, you don't have an offense. So, but yeah, I mean, this has been fun, and we've got plenty more to do. Uh, recapping the offense, but we had a ton of defensive prospects to go over. More of an offensive draft, but you know, deep secondary class to go through. Pretty good linebackers, um, that definitely talented ones that we could see go early. Um, same thing with the edge rushers and D lines. I, I can't wait. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Um, next week, like I said, we're gonna probably be bringing you guys another mock draft before we get into you know the defensive players. We do try and do a mock draft at the beginning of each month, so this is gonna line up perfectly for the draft come late April, which we're excited to look forward to. Um, I already gave my shout outs. You can follow me at CHS Noel, um, which way I'm pointing down there on Twitter. Um, anything you want to shout out, Sam? Um, give my Twitter a follow, Sam underscore Daring sixty eight. Um, and yeah, we'll be back next week. Mock draft is going to be interesting because we haven't done a mock draft since, I mean, the last time we did a mock, Carson Wentz was still on the Eagles, Stafford and Goff were still on the Lions and the Rams. So yep. this is going to be a very, very interesting draft, and I can't wait for it. Be a lot of things changing. I just, I can envision it now. I mean, I'm really looking forward to it. I want to thank you for always being here beside me every single Wednesday. I love doing this with you, man. It's awesome. You've kind of grown my interest into being more NFL guy, paying attention to these guys a lot more. Um, so it's really fun to do. And I guess without further ado, guys, that has been another episode of Saturday Standouts. Thank you for joining.